Happy holidays. This is Liz, and here's what you can listen to in the Popping Collars feed while roasting chestnuts by the fire in December of 2021. The Popping Collars crew takes stock of the year that was. We're talking about the best pop culture of 2021. The canon is back this month. Here's some of our Popping Collars all-stars draft their favorite movie soundtracks of all time. Going on 30 proudly presents the second annual Golden Poppers this month. Betsy and Gray get all dressed up to hand out imaginary trophies to movies that you haven't thought about in over 20 years. Find out if we fix the Oscars of 1991 or make a bigger mess of things. Finally, Stephen McHale and Greg wrap up their Beatles conversation on The Sacred Six this month. They finish out their magical mystery tour by discussing the songs of Abbey Road. From the number one Christmas podcast on Pandora in the year 2020 to you, have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year and keep those collars popped. Hello, this is Chris Arnold, and I was the guest on episode one of Popping Colors. Hello, this is Shana Watson, ordained priest serving at St. James Episcopal Church in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I'm John White. I'm the podcast editor at Episcopal Cafe. Hi there. This is Reverend Eric Matoyer from the Episcopal Diocese of California. This is Kyle Goodman, the lead pastor of Alamance Presbyterian Church. Hi, I'm Richard Lindsay, the godfather of Popping Collars. Hello, I am Holly McHale Larson, pastor at St. Paul Lutheran Church in Oakland. Hi there, this is the Reverend Martin Alfred from Grace Memorial Episcopal Church in beautiful Portland, Oregon. And you are listening. And you are listening to. And you are listening to. And you're listening to. You are listening to. And you are listening to. And you're listening to Popping Collars. Popping Collars. Popping Collars. Popping Collars. Popping Collars. Popping Collars. Popping collars, and this is popping collars. A place that right left to my beat. I like the moon right with me, baby. Know that I got the heat. Let me show you, cause God can see it. Place that right left to my beat. Get it, let it flow. Welcome to Popping Collars. You know what it is. It's the longest running Episcopal podcast in the galaxy. The number one Christmas podcast on Pandora in December of 2020. Maybe December 2021. Who knows? And we're huge in Nepal and Bulgaria. (laughs) Wow. Uh, I'm your host. My name is Greg Knight. I am the associate for Christian formation at the Church of Bethesda by the Sea in Palm Beach, Florida. With me are my co-hosts. Let's start with you, Liz Easton. I like your blanket. Oh, thanks. I'm wrapped in a blanket. And um, listeners of the show should also know I'm wearing my quarantine sweater for like the third but year in a row. promised to burn, but I guess the pandemic is The pandemic's yet. not over. I'll burn it when the pandemic. I'm not quite over. sure when you're going to burn this thing. Yeah, it's going to be a while. Yeah. You know, it's real warm. Um, I am the canon to the ordinary in the Diocese of Nebraska. I'm here in Omaha, Nebraska. I'm going to be real honest with you. I'm having a touch of the seasonal affective disorder. I don't know if anyone else is affected by the time change. Mm. I feel like for me, it gets worse every year. So I'm hitting the vitamin D, trying to walk in the sunshine during the day. And um, I don't like it. I don't like that it is dark before I leave the office at night. It's a bummer. You're like an anti-vampire. I am. Yeah, exactly. I'm the very opposite of a vampire. Yeah. It's true. It's good to have that affirmation. <laughs> I've always wondered. 
You've been concerned. I've oh, never been quite sure. She's not a vampire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's nice. Also with me is Ricardo Avila. Ricardo, what's up? Hey, Greg. Greg. Uh, yeah, I'm Ricardo Avila. I am a priest at uh, St. Luke's Episcopal Church in Los Gatos, California, uh, from whence I have been absent for the last 10 days because I've been in a 10-day study, self-study retreat uh, in a beautiful, sweet cottage in lovely Carmel-by-the-Sea, California. And the restaurants in Carmel are lovely, including a new restaurant. It's not a restaurant. It's a, a donut shop where they fry every donut individually per order. So it's hot and crunchy and moist on the inside. Delicious. I am a donut person. Oh. I don't like them warm. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. Uh, are we talking dry donuts here? Not, no, like glazy no. sugar thing on top of them? No. So it's called Dutch. I don't know if I can do a plug. It's called Dutch Door Donuts. And they just opened in this location. So the owners themselves took pictures of me with my donut. Uh, and, um, yeah, they fry them on the spot. It's like the drip coffee, like Phil's coffee. If you, I don't know if you have Phil's coffee. They do them to order. And they have the different things that go on top, like the maple and bacon. And I had the best one, though, was a cinnamon sugar. Uh, it sounds I, like a ripoff of duck donuts is what it sounds like. I don't know the ducks. They are, they are Outer Banks originated in North Carolina. And they okay. do them hot. And then they, yeah, then they, they, they dress them there for you. Yeah. So uh, I'm doing well and uh, ready to go back to church. Awesome. Work. Thank you. Donut talk. That's <laughs> what we're here for. That was Donut, donut Corner. It was Donut Corner. Uh, finally, with me is Betsy Carmody. Betsy, are you an anti-vampire who loves donuts as well? I mean, I don't know. I felt daylight savings more this year. I would agree with that in some way. Because normally, like, I just don't like waking up and it's, and it's dark. Because then I will want to sleep more but you know i just can't sleep over miss classes because i am the head chaplain here at the episcopal high school in alexandria virginia where the leaves are falling on the ground but just like that the leaf blowers come in and take them away as we deny that fall is actually happening and where we just sadly recently lost our big rivalry football game to woodbury forest very sad but uh we're getting ready to go on break all right, this is the break season. So I'm sitting here like all jealous of like, you know, going off to Carmel and getting all these sabbaticals, which I do not get in my job. I'm looking forward to to those things and seeing family and getting out of town and all that good stuff. Nice. All right, guys. This month, we're taking a look back at the year that was. 2021 was going to be where we turned it all around from 2020. Right. Sure mm. it was. I don't know that we did that, but I had to look up when things came out because I was like, I don't know what came out, what year it all blends together. Yeah, that's true. It does bleed. Uh, But there certainly were some big moments that left lasting impressions during the year. We are going to each go around, talk about our favorite or most meaningful piece of pop culture from 2021. It could be something that was created this year. It could be something that we just discovered this year. Who knows? Not me. The only all-knowing thing in my life is the bag. So let's go bag. to the bag. Bag, bag, bag. Bag, bag. has chosen Betsy Carmody to start oh, us off. Oh, hey. go first. All right. So 
My runner up was a show that I actually discovered during the pandemic because it was first released. I think I think it was filmed in 1920 in 2019, but then released in 2020. And it is a show that I thought was just going to be trashy and terrible, but I really liked it. And I, I'm actually unsure whether I've talked about it in the podcast before, but it's The Circle on Netflix, which I actually really enjoyed. Like, I did not initially watch this show because I thought it was like Love Island or something like that, something stupid like that, or like, you know, dating at first sight. But the concept of having people in an apartment complex who can only communicate through this social media thing and they can come on and be themselves or they can be someone else. I actually found the show to be incredibly earnest and evidently with the different, because there's a French version, a Brazilian version, a UK version, and an American version. Evidently the Americans are the most into relationships with one another, like having bonds and connections, not all, not all romantic, just, just real connection. And they tend to be a little more moralistic and they tend to vote based on, on how they feel they should vote as opposed to always strategically kind of eliminating people, which I thought was vaguely refreshing in the world that we live in. So that's my runner up. I'm just saying it's a better show than you think it's going to be. Give I've never, well, I never watched it. There's I'm three not seasons. reality <laughs> fan and I live alone in an apartment building. So it right. felt, and, especially and, during COVID, it felt like too, too close. Too and to close. me, it felt, it felt like, oh, there's actually hope in this. Mm-hmm. When we actually yeah. are living apart from one another. Can you describe? I, I didn't. I thought. I thought it was a movie. Can you talk about what this? So is? there is a movie called The Circle that right. involves Hermione Granger, but, but, but that we, is that's a different thing. We, so this is this is a reality show. What's the point of it? What happened? There, you're, the point of it is to be at the end rated the highest, so that then you win. There's a prize. You get up. You get a cash prize at the end. I would be interested, Liz, if you watched it. What you what you might draw? Yeah. Because I think it actually preaches. I do. Okay. So, okay. Okay. There we go. So, but my actual best of 2021 is FX's own Reservation Dogs. <gasps> Betsy, you stole my pick. Yes, <laughs> yes. Never happened. I went first. I went first. I win. I win. Yeah. I went first. Ha 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 ha. I don't that think is, this was that is me raising a taunt song against you, Greg. I'm very Ooh, sorry. Nice. Hang on, now I have to rack my brain for something. Oh. God, I think that's uh, Prophet Amos. What, what's Amos. the show? Tell the show. So Reservation Dogs, it's on it's on FX. You can watch it, stream it on Hulu. But it is following uh, four teenage friends on a reservation in Oklahoma. It's crazy how it's finally happening. You know, we got enough money to take care of us, drive us there. I don't know how we did it, but we're finally doing it. You know, <laughs> we're finally scoring. Finally doing this. I'm not going. That's not funny. Wasn't supposed to be. So what, you're just gonna stay here? Damn, man, you really bailing out today? Jesus Christ, this place eats people. Who else is gonna bail? You gonna bail, Cheese? Not even. What about you, Bear? No. We're getting out of here. Here. My cut. Help you get there. Try visit when I can. Maybe you could come visit when we get settled. Anybody got anything else they want to share? Hmm. What? I've been meaning to tell you guys this. I've been seeing the spirit for a while now. You mean like dating a spirit? 
Oh, man, not Daniel Spirit. He's a Lakota warrior who died at the Battle of Little Bighorn. He didn't kill Custer or, like, literally anybody because, you know, him and his horse fell in a golfer hole. That doesn't really matter. But really, what he Bro, told me is, is that... this is why I need to go to ceremony. Or therapy. Anyways, he says we got unfinished business to do. And the, it's kind of about Indian reservation life, life and the smaller Fuck ins that. and outs of that life and the wanting, the youthful wanting to escape. And to leave and to, you know, they always go, we're going to go to California, but it's a comedy and, and just the, the folks that are involved in the creation of it, it really is, it really is just, it's just amazing. Um, Sterling Harjo and, um, and others who have Taika Waititi helps to helps as a you know, writer and creator on the show. Uh, Sydney Freeland is, is one of the writers, Tom Pico, Tommy Pico. There's just a bunch of wonderful people who are into kind of telling the stories of modern reservation life and what that looks like. And um, in the wake of the death of their friend, kind of what is the story for these four young people, but then you kind of dip into other people's stories. We'll dip into the reservation sheriff's story and we'll, we'll dip into, you know, a grandma that we meet at the, at the health clinic and we'll dip. So it's just kind of how parts of life work. And I don't know reservation life. Uh, and so having somebody I've touched it in some places like the Rosebud reservation, South Dakota, or, or um, spending time with indigenous young people in, in Alaska, but this is, this is very different. And, and the kind of invitation in and the humor in it uh, that there's this warrior apparition that shows up every now and then to kind of really buck up one of our main characters. And he's kind of a mess. Like it's, it's all very interesting. Greg, where what, what you you have some opinions. Oh my gosh. Uh, a lot. Two yeah. things that I will say yeah. though. One is that this is a show about people hanging out with each other. And I never really realized until like I was watching the show. That's my speed. I love watching things where people just kind of hang out with each other. That's awesome. It's great. Um, and then the second thing that this show does along with and I would say that this is true of Atlanta as well, which is also an excellent mm -hmm. television show, which is that uh, it doesn't have to obey the rules of its own mm -hmm. show. Like if it wants to tell a supernatural story, it'll just tell a supernatural story. And if it wants to tell it straight down the middle of what reservation hospital life is like, it'll just do that. Like it has, it has no allegiances to like any kind of, format or genre or anything like that it'll just do whatever the show needs to do in order to move the characters forward and it's just it's fabulous because you just don't know what you're going to get from episode to episode but what you do know that you're going to get are groups of people who love each other fight with each other support each other are living you know in Oklahoma together wanting to get out together like it's just a good solid hang show with your friends and that's mm -hmm. it's it's absolutely far and away the best thing that i saw all year <laughs> yeah well and just the cast of indigenous actors and performers are simply amazing i you know i they're all four of the young people are great but i particularly love uh paulina alexis who plays willie jack and lane factor who plays cheese yeah i think it also you know often when you go immerse yourself in another world and especially one, a world that struggles with poverty and has to deal with all these relationships with governmental entities 
and all, you know, the issues that indigenous people have been talking about. I mean, you know, all the way to you know, very tragic ways that, you know, and horrible murder at, at these boarding schools that it blows apart this idea of like, oh, well, aren't they just happy in spite of their circumstances? Aren't they just kind of these happy, struggling people, you know? And it's like, no, they know. They know, and they've known for a long time that they're treated differently than other people. You know, that that's, that that is a, a different life for them and that they are yearning for something different. So there's my pick. Wow. Res dogs, yeah. reservation dogs. Can can you watch it on Hulu or where can you see it? Hulu, yes. It's a it's an FX show and they have a dealio with Hulu. Okay. Um, I actually fell for that whole reservoir dogs connection. I thought it was like a really violent, gonna be a really violent show. So I didn't even think about it. It's like, oh my God, it's like murder violent show on reservations with a gang or something. <laughs> But no, it's kids funny. stealing a chip truck in episode one. So there you go. <laughs> get, get ready. Yeah. Nice. Speaking of yeah. chips. Good segue. It better not be my letter. Oh, thank God. <laughs> it's, it's Liz. Oh, okay. So Liz, you else. go ahead and talk and I'm going to research uh, what yeah. I can talk about. <laughs> Start Googling. Um, like you, Betsy, I time runs together in the last two years. So I, I didn't search back too far in my history because I knew that I just wouldn't remember, like, was it 2020? Was it 2021? So instead I'm going to do a show that just ended. So it was my best of, because I just watched it. And that is, um, also on FX American crime story impeachment. Mm-hmm. which I think was a sleeper show because it's not streaming anywhere. I had to buy it. Like I spent two ninety nine an episode <laughs> to watch this whole show, but it's a, uh, um, so obviously this is the maker he's done now. Uh, I think this is the third season of American crime story. The first one was about the OJ Simpson trial, which was fantastic, really great cultural critique. Enough time has passed that you could kind of, watch it with this more distance, I think, than what we had at the time. Um, Then he did a series on Johnny Versace's murder, which I only watched a couple episodes of. It didn't grab me for some reason. And then this is about the Clinton impeachment and the Monica Lewinsky, I guess I will use the word scandal. That's would be the word that they would use, but it's a really fantastic retelling that I think is pretty true. Like there's been a lot of fact checking that's come out about it. Pretty true to what happened and largely tells the story from the perspective of the women who were most impacted by these events. So Monica Lewinsky, Linda Tripp, Paula Jones, and then a little bit of Hillary Clinton, And I just felt like it was important to watch. I think after there was a little bit of a reckoning and I don't think that we've done maybe as much as we need to after me too, of looking back over our shoulders, I'll say specifically as liberals about how that event, those events were handled knowing what we know now. So like Bill Clinton is trash basically. And at the time you had like Gloria Steinem, you know, holding press conferences saying, Hey, listen, 
you know, people are entitled to have their own sex lives and like, let's not throw stones here. And to sort of watch this story unfold, especially from Monica Lewinsky's perspective, a 22 year old woman having a sexual relationship with the most powerful person in the world and just how power was manipulated and how she was destroyed. It's honestly, I've heard her speak before. I think she's a super compelling, interesting woman. Um, It's amazing that she survived. Like it is amazing that she lived through that, the way that she was treated. She, she considers herself um, patient zero in um, internet shaming, like shame culture. And really there were no rules um, at the time and no, like the internet was so new. They really explore that. Like what happened when the star report was released and like the whole internet crashed. And here's this young woman who these very intimate details about her life are being shared for everyone to read. Mm. It's just fascinating. And what I thought about a lot is for those of you who have watched the West wing, there's this one line when president Bartlett is being impeached and his wife, uh, Abby Bartlett has to basically give up her medical license because she protected him, um, with kind of covering up him having MS and president Bartlett is watching her testimony and he turns to someone Leo or somebody, and he just says the things we do to women. And it's this really sort of damning, sad statement. And this show just lifts that up that women were just at the center of this, trying in some cases to do the right thing. Paula Jones really trying to do the right thing. Her life was destroyed. Steve, don't. No, no, we need to go back and we need to take Clinton's deal. I wanted that money. What? No, no, but I, gosh, I only ever started doing this because you wanted me to. I, I did, I did all this for you. <laughs> you sound pretty stupid right now with your face all broken from a nose job. Because I got a bad nose, which I didn't even know I had until you made me do this and be on TV and people laughed at me. But but I did it like I always do what you say. You think I like moving to California where I've never seen so many people who smile while they hate you. And, and, and you think it'll be better if we move home where everyone knows exactly who you are and what you did. What do you mean what I did? What do you mean? Say it. Say it, Steve. You think I did it? Okay, okay. I can take this from Jay Leno and people laughing at me at Vons, but from you, you're supposed to believe me. We are fighting to show people that he did me wrong. And in reality, all, all this is, all the press conferences and all the magazines and, and the TV shows and the lawyers and more lawyers and more lawyers, it's just me trying to get you to believe me. Which to me, it was a helpful way to, um, with some humility, look back and realize like, wow, we really kind of got it wrong as feminists, as liberals, whatever how we dealt with that. Um, there were no heroes in that story. It's very sad and just tons and tons of victims, people whose lives were really destroyed. As I said, it's remarkable that Monica Lewinsky is alive today, in my opinion. There's a podcast called Slow Burn, 
Mm-hmm. And uh, they had an, uh, their second season a couple of years ago was about the Monica Lewinsky, the whole impeachment stuff. And it was fascinating. It's, it's what you're talking about. I mean, yeah, Clinton, Bill Clinton was a real scuzzball. Um, yeah. It's kind of, I don't know what it is. I, I feel bad because I was one of those people. I was very focused on how the Republicans wanted to take him down as opposed to what he'd done. Um, I can't remember if I said this earlier, but Monica Lewinsky was an executive producer on this show. And by her telling, like she didn't write the script. She didn't have veto power over anything. She was there sort of to fact check. And in some cases to push them toward being even harder on her. Like the, there are some stories that now have become really famous, like her flashing her underwear to the president and, they didn't want to include that because they were like, look, you don't, we don't need to do that. And she's like, no, we do. That is a very important part of the story. Like I do need you to show that. And to just think how, like, um, I hope that for her, there was an element of like, redemption is probably too strong of a word, but maybe processing all these years later, I hope that she found some peace being able to participate in telling her story when, she did not have any agency or very little agency when she was going through it. She was pushed through this gauntlet um, that was so destructive. Yeah. And then, and yeah, only to know that this was a real um, serialized predatory behavior in the most powerful man in the world. When you watch it and, you know, we've heard, you know, the rhetoric around like the Clinton machine, did you did you feel that or is was it more the Democrats wanting to protect and it wasn't actually something centered on them and that looking at their political his what? legacy or whatever we're trying to. Protect yeah, her? I've been to the Clinton Library, too, which is really interesting to sort of think about the, the Clintons have both spoken recently in interviews way more um, transparently about what that experience was like for them as a couple. And in the show there were some really heartbreaking scenes that felt very truthful to me that outside of like the public nature of this, you could have picked up the conversations they were having and put it in the bedroom of any couple that was struggling with infidelity. And that was really, that helped me feel more compassion for them. Um, It was really raw and fierce. And there was a sense of them really loving each other and being devoted to each other as partners. Yes. In a marriage, but also partners in this other thing, which that was sort of creepy, like the ways that they both colluded in um, maintaining that uh, structure for them, that they're powerful people who have sort of a mission of public service that they wanted to protect But then they also had this marriage um, within it. Edie Falco plays Hillary Clinton and she is tremendous. It's not a, the guy who uh, Clive Owen plays Bill Clinton and he is like doing a Clinton impersonation, which is pretty good. But Edie Falco is not doing a Hillary Clinton impersonation and her acting is like incredible. And the whole show ends with his impeachment and it ends pretty suddenly. Like I didn't know it was the last episode until I looked it up. Thank you, Liz. Yeah. So uh, back to the bag. And uh, I promise I'm not making this up. The bag has chosen Ricardo. 
Said I to be promise I'm not picking everybody else's chips so that I can yes, think of something. Because I stole yours. Okay. What if Ricardo picks the one that you were was your? That would be amazing. That would be awesome. Yeah. It would be incredible. <laughs> so Perhaps let's see impossible. what happens as Ricardo presents his best of 2021. 2021. Yeah. Yes. Right. Is that what you yeah, said? The year. Yeah. 2021. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. I heard 2020. Oh, God. So Wait, I thought you were just picking the year itself, Ricardo. It's just like, wow. Like, Mike drop. Very ambitious. Old choice. Old choice. <laughs> I, it was so good. I picked the entire year. No, as a matter of fact, um, <laughs> I think I kind of screwed up the assignment. I mean, I did and I didn't, technically. Um, this was something that happened. I experienced in 2021, but... It is not a 2021 thing at all. In fact, I was trying to think, God, I should think of something else. I should do something else as we were talking. I don't think I've, I've watched any 2021 show. Like I'm watching the Golden Girls. You just watched Midnight Mass. <clears throat> I did not finish Midnight Mass and it's not a best of. Anyway. I know. I'm just saying you watch something in 2021. That's best true. The worst for Ricardo. <laughs> I got to say, um, Watching Midnight Mass makes me not want to experience 2021 uh, any further. Anyway, um, I, I'm a little, you know, I've read things. I've seen some things, but none of it is recent. I, I guess I'm old fashioned that way. So here's what I did. Uh, my, my pick, and I promise it's not going to be yours, Greg. So I'm going to see if I can spin some gold out of this um, flax. Is Leonard Cohen. Um, oh my gosh! <laughs> oh no! You took it again! Unbelievable! I will make my case. I think I, it feels a little uh, right now. I'll just throw in a quick Zach Morris timeout here, Ricardo, uh, and say that Betsy and I just talked about Leonard Cohen for like 15 minutes on a recent podcast. That we did. So what? Leonard Cohen is having a moment on the popping college. When did we talk about Leonard Cohen? Yeah. For our pump up the volume episode. Oh, yeah. Okay. Was he in that movie? <laughs> two songs. Two songs. Two songs. Two oh, songs. Really? Wow. Okay, then. Yeah. In the heart of Gen X. Holy moly. All right. So let me just. My favorite thing of 2021, hands down, was re experiencing the music of Leonard Cohen. Now you might think 2021, that's so 2016 because he died five years ago, November 7th, 2016, which might be why he's, he's in a bit of the zeitgeist right now and in a minor way. The reason Leonard Cohen came back into my life is that I think I may have mentioned in the past, I take these online, now online courses at Stanford continuing studies, which anyone, you don't have to, you know, be smart or have an alum that went there to take a class. So the Stanford Continuing Studies classes were in this year. I took and read War and Peace, for example, and David Copperfield for the third time I've read. And um, But Leonard Cohen, there was a class on Leonard Cohen offered through Stanford Continuing Studies. Oddly enough, the professor was from UC Berkeley, but there we are. Uh, his name is Tim Hampton, and he's actually just published a book on the works of Bob Dylan and had taught a class on Dylan, uh, all of which is really very boomer sounding. But Leonard Cohen is awesome. 
And if you don't know Leonard Cohen, you probably won't listen to me say this and follow up on it, but you need to learn his music. He's phenomenal. Uh, he's got 40 years of poems, more, 50 of poems and music that grapple with spirituality, with faith, with sex, with uh, fallenness, with beauty, and with a sense of humor. Not all the songs are good. I'll say that right now. And his voice is like this, and it gets like this later. But he's amazing. The stuff he grapples with. I said this in class. You know, I was the Episcopal priest in the class. There were like 55 people in the class. Everybody loved it. I said, I think I've learned more and deepened and deepened my faith from Leonard Cohen music than I have from half the books I read in seminary. No offense to my seminarian professors out there, but you, I think you know what I mean. You find meaning and faith in pop culture. That's kind of the point of this podcast in a way, but gosh, he's, he's a Jew who had a real fascination with Christian scriptures and loved Jesus and became a Buddhist, you know, well, he retreated for like eight years to a Buddhist monastery on Mount Baldy outside of LA. And so he's had all of this, but he's got this intelligence and this sly sense of humor and this grappling. I mean, the famous song of his is Hallelujah. His version of it is not very good. Um, of course, many people have covered it, including John Cale, which is my favorite version, but a lot of people like Jeff Buckley's. He's like raising his fist at God at the same time as he's kind of bowing in, in humility. I'll just um, quote one of the songs that I loved of his. It's called, If It Be Your Will. If it be your will That I speak no more And my voice be still As it was before I will speak no more I shall abide until I am spoken for If it be your will If it, if it be your will that a voice be true From this broken hill I will sing to you From this broken hill all your praises they shall ring If it be your will to let me sing from this broken hill, all your praises they shall ring, if it be your will to let me sing. If it be your will, if there is a choice, let the rivers fill, let the hills rejoice. Let your mercy spill on all these burning hearts in hell, if it be your will to make us well. And draw us near and bind us tight, all your children here in their rags of light, in our rags of light all dressed to kill, and end this night, if it be your will. That's a prayer. Yeah. It's a you know, psalm. It's a psalm. He's a psalmist. I mean, that's why I like. I love that that the Hallelujah song he's so intensely connected to because it has the, all of that Davidic stuff. And it's but it's also it's you know so many of the psalms are you know you know all supposedly written by David and about David and but that he brings up the this this the smudge on the record for David even though. The Bible tries to like the prophets are all like, oh, but remember how all the other good parts about him? Like he was real great. Like this is how we connect this to impeachment. But that he goes for that vulnerable moment, that that time of mistake. So I think he was a person who lived very much in his own humanity. 
and to live in the human experience is to see the flaws and to that there's beauty in that while right. at the same time regret. Mm-hmm. The, the, the line in hallelujah, it's, it's like, it's the holy or the broken hallelujah. You know, it's like at a funeral, if you conduct a funeral or a memorial service, I think it's during the commendation of the ashes of the body. He says, you know, all we go down to the dust, yet even at the grave, we make our song. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. I love getting to say that part. And I think about that song. Mm-hmm. And I think about that sort of him in a nutshell. You know, we're going to say, we're going to say, praise God, even as we are dead or dying. So Leonard Cohen, you know, not from 2021, but certainly eternal and timeless. And I guarantee if you give it the, the, the amount of time it deserves, uh, you will come away changed. Nice. All right. I wonder whose turn it is. Yes. What, what, what is um, nobody. Yeah, I think we're all done. I Let's wrap it up. Went. Are we all? Is that it? Time no, to do yeah. The remember, I went first. I talked oh, about. I remember that. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, uh, the baggage shows me last, thank goodness, uh, because it gave me time to remember, uh, that I watched another great show this year, and that was Mayor of Easttown. Oh, that was my run. (laughs) That was a great show. (laughs) That's a great show. Yeah. All right. So, uh, so are are you, you guys are Kate Winslet. How far back do you guys go with Kate Winslet? I just rewatched Titanic the other day. Titanic. Okay. Titanic. Titanic. Yeah. Titanic. Well, and then the what's the one? The one the Peter Jackson? Heavenly Creatures. Yes. Heavenly Creatures. I saw that. I did not see that. So I came to Kate Winslet late in life. I want to say maybe like Eternal Sunshine. Oh was yeah. my Kate Winslet experience, my first Kate Winslet experience. And I guess pretty much what you need to know about Kate Winslet is that she's a phenomenal actor. She's just tremendous. You must be Drew's grandmother. Yes, Mayor. Nice to finally meet you. I'll have a seat. I appreciate you seeing me so early. Figured I'd catch you before all the sick kiddos show up. Smart. So, what can I help you with, Miss Sheehan? What's well, Andrew? He's uh, he's still doing the uh, the eye blinking thing. Oh, right. Well, like I mentioned to your ex husband, ticks are very common in young boys. Mm-hmm. Most grow out of them, and we normally don't treat them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Um, it's just his his father, my son Kevin. He. I don't know how much you know. Well, he took his own life. It'd be two years in February. I'm so sorry. It's just my ex-husband and I were concerned that these ticks, um, we don't know if it's a genes thing, you know? If it's passed down. My son was like this as a young boy. I mean, he was normal. Then he started having ticks like the ones Drew's been showing, and... What was your son's diagnosis, Miss Sheehan? Oh, Jesus. Uh, God, I don't even... Um, my ex-husband was in charge of keeping track of it all. There were so many over the years. At first, he was diagnosed with Tourette's, then pervasive developmental disorder. Um, 
we were on the autism spectrum at one time. Mood disorders. I can't even remember which ones. We fought about it all the time. The drugs, mostly. I was against medicating. I don't know that either of us were right. Dogs chasing our tails for a long time, you know? Right. I became totally overwhelming, you know? Not being able to figure him out. Sure. I understand. And, you know, if you haven't seen the show, it's a, a cop procedural. Think, it it, think like Broadchurch. If you ever saw Broadchurch, it's a lot like that. It's, mm-hmm. you know, sort of cop procedural, um, murder mystery. Uh, Kate Winslet's a, small a detective in a small town and uh, outside of Philadelphia. And, you know, a lot of times you watch shows like this and especially because i compared it to broad church that's what's on my mind you know when that show was on it's constantly trying to figure it out in my brain like okay so who hmm so who would have done this and who was where and at no time did i ever do that with mayor and i think it had to do with the way that the story unfolded i was more caught up in the characters of the show i was more caught up in mayor i was more caught up in gene smart you know uh, the mom. I was more caught up in what Guy Pierce was doing when he would randomly What's pop up on the there? show. <laughs> you know, I go out on a date with him. <laughs> yes, <laughs> there's some, there's some hot grown up sex in. Um, there was some adult sexual interaction yeah. on right. that show. Yes, when, um, by, by grown up, I mean, but with grown up humans with grown up bodies, like that was right. part of what yes. made the show so sort of groundbreaking was like, Oh, this is what real, this is real people. This is what real people look like. That's right. And I think the thing that I appreciated the most, um, and I don't think that this is a spoiler when the show hits its last episode, it builds up to a pretty dramatic cliffhanger, I would say. And you're kind of when it was the mayor really killed the person in the end. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm kidding. He's not going to spoil it. He's not going to spoil it. I'm not going to spoil it. He's not going to spoil it, Ricardo. He's not going to spoil it. Because I know there's like a shocking ending or something. Yeah, he wants right, right. It's so it's it's dramatically kind of building up to to a dramatic kind of conclusion, and that conclusion happens early in the last episode, and then the the last episode is basically just like, okay, so what do these people do with their lives moving forward, right? So it never like builds up to that tension of like, okay, and. Bang, and that's the end, you know. It's just like, okay, and now we've got to figure out what else we need to do. And I got to tell you, the confidence that it takes to have a show like this and to say, you know what, that story's over, and now let's figure out what Mayor's going to do. It's it's just, it's so brave. It's, it's, It's such a brave choice as a showrunner in today's day and age when everybody kind of wants immediate gratification from their pop culture. And this is just like, no, we're just going to, we're going to tell the story that we want to tell. And it's not, you thought it was about a murder mystery and it's about this woman and what, you know, how, how is she going to live her life uh, going forward from this incident? It reinforces for me how so much of our lives, you know, have these kind of 
big highs and big lows, but a lot of it is just us kind of figuring things out. A lot of my days are boring days where nothing really happens, but I wouldn't trade any of those days for anything. A lot of the journey that we're on isn't about hitting the high points. A lot of the journey that we're on is just kind of figuring out how we're going to walk up the stairs. Mayor of Easttown. That's me. Loved it. One of the other things I loved about this, that show, and you sort of touched on it with like the, um, the everydayness and also the big moments is I thought it showed really realistically how traumatic things can happen in our lives and they are important and we integrate them into our lives and they're never totally resolved. Like, I feel like you don't see that a lot on television. Like, in her, and again, this isn't a spoiler, Ricardo, but there's a thing that happened with her son. Um, it's not a spoiler. It's just it's not a spoiler. It just but is. It, it just it is. Just, it just is. So it shows the family sort of integrating that into their lives imperfectly, which um, felt really, really normal. And it also showed a part of America that we don't see that much in a way that's not, that doesn't feel exploitative. Like it didn't, it was this sort of just like middle class, working class, rust belt town with real people inside of it. And Um, that doesn't mean that they're stupid. Mayor's not stupid, mm -hmm. right? Right. Like just because she lives in a, you know, in in a very modest house with her mom, she's struggling to sort of get, but she's not dumb. And that's kind of, that's the shorthand that can sometimes happen on shows. Totally. Was Kate Winslet the actress who won the best Oscar for the movie The Reader? Yes. Okay. She's great. Yeah. I'm gonna do that, but I that's guess- where we went. That's where we are. <laughs> oh my lord. I get her confused with like Helena Bonham Carter and like one other actress. Really? Yeah, because what? <laughs> right. The, the the British women something British women all look alike. They her, all look alike. You get her confused white, with blonde, Helen Mirren or, or oh, no, no, no. Dame Judi Dench. <laughs> <laughs> Emma Thompson is throwing Emma Thompson in there. No, she's no. Anyway. Okay, let's wrap this baby up. This has been our favorite. Oh, okay. Time out. <laughs> give it a second. <clears throat> okay, I'm in my head about it now. Well, those are our favorite things of the year 2021, sometimes beyond. What are your favorite things from 2021? Email us, poppingcollarspodcast at gmail.com. Let us know your thoughts on the year that was. And in the meantime, you can find Popping Collars on the web at poppingcollarspodcast.com. You can subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast app so that you don't miss a single episode. You want to be like the folks in Bulgaria who are good subscribers. Love us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Finally, you can find our show on EpiscopalCafe.com. We love EpiscopalCafe.com. We know you will as well. Check them out for all your Episcopal news needs in the year 2022 and beyond. And with that, that is Popping College for this time. Thank you, Betsy. Thank you, Liz. Thank you, Ricardo. We'll see you next time. And keep those collars popped. Pop, pop. Happy New Year. 
122. What's going on in Bulgaria? Why? What's happening? Who? I just can't imagine. Maybe a church. Like, why? Why? I don't get it. I've stopped trying to make sense of it. Yeah. Universal appeal. Yeah.